Simone Coleman. And I'm Addison Landers. And we would like to welcome you to Hijinks, a podcast brought to you by Howard County Library System. In 1987, the month of March was designated as Women's History Month by Congress. By additional resolution, the president was authorized to issue a special proclamation declaring March of each year as Women's History Month. Presidents have since issued annual proclamations to continue celebrating the multitude of contributions and achievements women have made throughout the course of American history. On March 8th, we also celebrate International Women's Day, a day that has occurred for over a century since 1911 to honor women's achievements, equality, and fundraise for female charities. The 2022 theme was Break the Bias, the biases that make it harder for women to move ahead and access truly equal opportunities. While both celebrations are meaningful and important ways to recognize women, we know that women have long been remarkable leaders before the special days and months began and continue to change and advance the world today. From Queen Amina to Wu Zetian to Sojourner Truth to Margaret Sanger, Malala Yousafzai, and now Lesia Verotnik, ballerina of the Kiev National Opera, along with the other brave multi-generational armed women who stepped up in Ukraine and joined the battlefield to help defend their country's freedom. It is impossible to highlight the countless women, known and unknown, who have boldly changed the world since the beginning of time. As the late Dr. Maya Angelou said, how important it is for us to recognize and celebrate our heroes and sheroes. So yesterday, today, and tomorrow, we applaud all women for facing adversity and courageously paving the way. We have so much more to do, but have also come so far, and we thank you. In this episode, we talk with three amazing and talented local African women entrepreneurs who are creating history right now. They tell us how they, through diverse business ventures, are affecting change and reaching back to advance other women here and abroad in their home countries. We also get to hear about their roots, values, and how their individual paths have crossed and led to this moment of enterprise, achievement, and sisterhood. Listen in and get to know Stephanie Mponsa of Yashik, Yvette Papo of Shoreway and Decorel, and Ellen O'Doy of Decorel. I'm Stephanie Ampansa with Yashi Clothing and Accessories. We are a African-inspired clothing and accessory line. Um, we make clothing and accessories for women, um, both for casual and career wear. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Yvette Papo, and I'm representing two businesses today. So um, I will talk about Shoreway and then have Elle introduce Decorel. Um, so Shoreway Enterprises is an e-commerce platform that allows uh, people in the diaspora to shop freely online and send uh, provisions and grocery items to their family members in Ghana. Um, shipping is promised to be three to five days and they never have to worry about duty or having to pack the barrel. 
And hi guys, my name is Elle. Um, I am the CEO and principal designer of Decorel. Yvette is our COO and our operations manager. She's also co-owner of the company. And uh, Decorel is basically a luxury interior design firm that's located in Maryland, Washington, DC. And we service all over, um, including like New York, Seattle, um, and even Africa. We're actually expanding the company. Um, and our focus is turning um, houses into beautiful homes and we believe in uh, bringing luxury to the everyday consumer um, at accessible pricing. That is wonderful, ladies. I love the diverse business ventures um, and kind of the, the working together there. Can you tell us about where each of you are from? I'm here in Ghana, um, but just let us know a little bit about where you're from or what African country your families are from. Awesome. So I can kick us off. Um, I'm excited that we are all representing Ghana. Um, so <laughs> both my parents um, are from Ghana. I was actually uh, born and raised in uh, Columbia, Maryland, um, but spent uh, summers, holidays um, growing up, going back and forth. And even to this day, um, go back annually um, to Agos, to Ghana, specifically um, Accra to visit family and friends that are still there. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Elle and I were both born in Ghana, um, partly raised in Ghana. We came to the United States pretty early on. Um, I came to the United States when I was nine years old, and I actually um, didn't have the opportunity to go back to Ghana until uh, just about three years ago. And now all of my time is spent there. And so um, currently I live in uh, Randallstown, Maryland, in Baltimore County. Uh, but, you know, when I'm asked to introduce myself, I'm fully Ghanaian. <laughs> yeah, like Yvette said, we were both born and raised in Ghana. And I think we've been here for over 20 something years now, which is interesting when I think about it. But we're both fond of going home. Most people will say we live in Africa more than we live here nowadays. Uh, and we were raised in Baltimore, Maryland, but I currently reside in St. Mary's County in Maryland. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll I'll kick us off. The first thing that came to me was life. Um, I think for me, like when I think about Africa, it is the the birthplace, right, for myself, for many of us. Um, and yeah, to me, it's life. When I think about like the culture, when I think about the love, when I think about the communal way of living, um, all of those aspects um, of Africa to me are most exciting. And when I think about like Yashik, it is about like you know, sharing, yes, it's about clothing, but also how are we sharing um, like African culture? Um, there has been like such a very skewed narrative for a very long time, at least for me growing up. Now I think it's getting better um, around the continent um, about Africa, but to me, like it's life, it's love, it's family. Um, and it's um, this just strong sense of culture. Not sure how to follow up behind that. I mean, that's that that really sort of encapsulates what I think about when I, I hear that sentence. Um, the first thing that came to my mind was home, Africa's home. Um, and not just because I was born there and um, I hail from there, but I think it's home for everybody. And most people who do go to the continent feel at home in some capacity. Um, and so for me with, you know, Shoreway and with Decorel, like that's always been the theme is to bring home here to bring home wherever we are. So um, that's what I think about when I hear Africa is. 
I feel like they both kind of took the words out of my mouth, but I strongly, when I read the questions, I think one thing that kept popping up in my head, and I don't know that this is the accurate way of saying it, but I feel like Africa is slept on. I think uh, there's so much that our continent offers and there's so much beauty, there's so much resources, and it's really becoming a new hub for the rest of the world. And, um, you know, I think, you know, us as, as sisters and friends, we've taken a note of that and are trying to empower people back home and start businesses back home. And um, I think in the next few years, I mean, and even now you can recognize just the powerhouse that Africa is. Um, and especially, you know, talking about the interior design industry, I mean, it is booming how much um, how much that field has grown in, in Africa. And we want to be one of the first people to really tap into that market. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a, it's a place that people don't, uh, I think, in my opinion, take seriously and it's slept on and it's it's really seriously a powerhouse. And I always say that if anybody has an opportunity to visit anywhere in the world, you should pick somewhere in Africa because you're just going to learn so much about yourself and about where it all started, really. Wow. Beautifully said by all three of you. I have another one for you. Finish this sentence. Women's history is black. <laughs> Women's history is black. Um, it's related to you know what I said about Africa being home for everybody uh, because you know as Elle just said, it's the birthplace for everything. Uh, that's where it started. That's where sort of um, life sort of came to being, um, and so. Women's history, to me, you, you kind of can't talk about women's history without talking about Blackness and the Black woman. Um, and that's just how I sort of see my life. Um, and I think I wish everyone else saw it that way because it is the truth. Um, so, yeah, women's history is Black. You want to take it, Stephanie? Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out a nice one-word summary. <laughs> summary. Um, a celebration. <laughs> Um, I think for me, like when I think about um, the woman in my life um, and I think about even like Yashi, like it was started because of I really wanted to celebrate and honor the woman in my life who were living bold, like in their purpose. Um, and like for me, like particularly with the clothing brand, like when people wear the clothes, I want them to feel bold and style, bold and, and purpose. And it's, to me, it's a celebration of women and all of their accomplishments. And so when I think about Women's History Month, it's particularly special to, um, to me because of the incredible woman in my life who I would not be, you know, who I am today without them. I think about my aunts, I think about um, my mother and how she used to always tell us is like, you're African, you can do anything. And so like just thinking, like carrying that with me and just watching her um, model um, faith, model um, strength um, has really shaped me into the woman I am today. And so when I think about Women's History Month, it's a celebration of all of the women in, in my life. And to actually piggyback off of what she just said, I think it's I think women's history is strength, it's resilience. I mean, if you think about what women have been through, uh, not just, you know, black women, but just women in general, like what we've had to fight through, what we've had to do to gain respect. Um, 
I'll be in, even regardless of the fact that in my opinion, I feel like we hold the world together in a sense. Um, <laughs> I think women are strong. I think uh, we're the only ones who can do what we do. We can still have a business. And nowadays you don't even have to choose between the two. I mean, you can be a mother, you can be a wife and still run your business and still vote and still, you know, be the breadwinner if you choose. And and there's just, the, we've come a long way from what women used to be seen as. I mean, for right now, we have a female uh, vice president. I mean, who, who would have thought that this is the, the kind of world we would be in today? Um, and I think it just speaks to how strong and resilient we are. Um, you've, Yvette and Elle. Very incredible points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yvette and Elle, you um, said that you identify as being from Ghana. Could you speak more to how... Um, your roots shaped your identity? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Elle, you can start. I mean, I, so I had the privilege of going to boarding school in Africa. And honestly, I tell people, even though it was for a few years, I feel like it did so much in in defining who I am and even just being around family, um, the way we're raised in Africa, it's literally a village. You know, when they have the saying, it takes a village to raise a child in Africa, it actually holds true. I mean, you can go outside and do something bad and your neighbor has every right to spank you and then tell your parents that they spanked you and there is nothing, you know, and your parents will thank them. It's really everybody looking out for themselves. And I feel like we were exposed and we were trained so young about being women, about um, what it's like to take care of a home, how it is to clean and cook. I mean, I remember back when I was like eight, I was cooking, you know, I was learning in the kitchen and all of these things. But I also saw how strong my the women in my family is in the Gone tribe, which is what even I from the women are actually the strongest. They're the, the, the main breadwinners. They're like, we are known for being the stronger ones. And you can see that in my aunties and my, my, my mom, like everybody around us. And it, it's in Yvette and I, and I, you know, I'm not speaking for her, but I think her being my sister, I think we, we grew up just knowing how to Jigs exude that. Like, I feel like every part of what we do now speaks to the fact that we were raised in Africa. We were born in Africa. I think Africa is us. And it's why, even though we've been here for so long, um, we yearn to go back every year. We yearn to do something positive um, there. But everything about me, I think everything screams it. I hope so. That's what I, I would never want to hide it. I got nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the confidence, um, is extremely, you know, important. I find that one thing I really sort of tried to figure out while when I came here was like, what is this thing about women can't and women can't? Like I, I couldn't put my finger on it because it was something so foreign to me. And I was like, wait a minute, this is a thing here. Like people tell people what women can and can't do. And, you know, women shouldn't do math or can't do math or not good at math or, I just have never, you know, been raised in that way. Um, especially, you know, even when I got here, my dad was very specific about raising me and my brother the same. Like there was no, you know, you're a woman, so you do this. You're a man, so you do this. It was like, you need an oil change? Let's go. Like, let's go do uh, that. Cut so, the grass. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't have any limitations when it comes to what I can and can't do and what I can and can't say because of my reproductive parts like 
it doesn't, it just does not impact me in that way. And I, I think that has everything to do with just like where I come from and, and who raised me. So, um, I try to, you know, put that in other people, but it's, it's something that you can't really teach, I guess. Yeah. And I'll actually add to that too, because interesting enough, even though I was, um, born like in the States. It's funny because like a lot of my friends who are, you know, we're first generation, like we always talk about how like, yes, you're born here, but like in your home is like Ghana. Right. And so like, it's very different. And so it's interesting because growing up, you know, that feeling of not feeling like everyone, right. Because you have like this very strong sense of self. And I think that comes from like, my mom is, you know, a guy and it comes from, like I was saying before, my mom being really clear of like, there's nothing you can't do. Like, that's just not like, you know, just to a vet's point, that's just not in like the vocab, you know, vocabulary of like how you're raised and that like, yeah, you can learn how to drive a stick shift. Like you can, um, you can cook, you can be an athlete and just like think for me, like that instilling in you the ability that there are no impossibilities, um, I think has, has really one of the strongest elements I think of like as an African woman that you're taught early on that there's nothing you can't do. And again, that's modeled in your parents. It's modeled in like your aunts. Um, and really to me throughout like kind of the, the diaspora of, of African women. That's, that's really um, interesting to hear how your African heritage or identity um, is so intertwined with your like female empowerment. And it makes me kind of, realize how you're, you know, diving headfirst into building these businesses that you guys are working on. Is there anything you can add with your, how you bring your, um, African or gender identity into your businesses? I mean, Stephanie, I think, I think you should go first on this one because I think you hit it on the nail very, very well. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like the business is about that, right? Like when I first thought about it, it was how do I expose like my friends and family, you know, to this great rich culture, right? And how do we have a brand that woman represents women living in purpose? And when I think about the African woman, like who's very determined and who is very much representing, um, you know, possibilities, like that is for me, like how we bring it into the business is our ability to, you know, our goal, number one, is that all of our manufacturers um, are African women um, primarily, right? Because we want to feed back into that economy. Um, we want to provide, you know, economic opportunities. Um, and we want women to know that, like, through every purchase they're making, they are building, they are building back into like the African economy. Um, and it's going back to purpose. Like you can be stylish and while you're doing that, you're also making a global impact. And so for me, when I think about like my upbringing, when I think about the business, like it's a perfect blend of like just the representation of like my culture, um, love for fashion. And then of course, making like social impact, um, particularly, you know, in West Africa, because when you think like, okay, like I wasn't like, you've been you know educated here, you've been here most of your life. So how are we making sure that we're taking these gifts and talents and not taking it away from the continent, but how are we making, you know, ensuring that our gifts and talents, you know, help um, continue to feed back into the um, African economy. Yeah. And I think even for us, um, we're very focused here about just uh, not just women, but like supporting black businesses. And I think uh, one thing that Yvette's really passionate 
passionate about is whenever we need to look for a vendor to like further our business, the first thing she's going to suggest is a black owned business. And she prefer if it was a woman run business. Um, and it's just because we identify with, with them. We know the struggle. We know, you know, how people see us. We know what they think we can do and we cannot do. So it's our job as people who are in the industry, who are entrepreneurs to really show people like, you know, the, it's you can't set a limit for women. You can't set a, a limit for even black women. I mean, we're able to do what we want to do and what we want to achieve. And so for us, I think we've been very big on on doing that. Like we're when we're, we're trying to rebrand right now. And um, a lot of the people that we reach out to are black women, you know, because we just really want to support them. And we want them to know that there's there's a market for you in every field that you're in. Yeah. That's amazing. What are your, any of you, what, what is your take on the many young Africans who are returning to Africa? It's wonderful that you guys are working here and reaching overseas. Um, the young Africans who are returning to Africa to build businesses and, and more. What do you think of that? Because it is somewhat of a movement. Mm-hmm. I'm all about it. <laughs> all about it. Um, yeah. Definitely all about it. And I think that, you know, it's something that's shocking to our parents just because they fought so hard to be here and to come here and to start businesses here. And then yes. we just go right back around and <laughs> go back. Um, and I think that they're really struggling with it, but I think it's, it's really more so of a renaissance, you know, taking it back. Um, as Elle said earlier, you know, Africa is slept on and it's even slept on by Africans, right? So that's, that's something that, you know, we really yes. have to reclaim, reclaim the continent, reclaim how the continent is viewed, reclaim what it is that um, we see it as, which is a powerhouse, which is, you know, the origin of passion. That's the origin of creativity and ideas. So going back there is, you know, for selfish reasons, it's like, Ooh, this is better, like way, you know, better and more relaxing than America. But also like we really get to, we've been taken away from that land and now we get to come back and like pour into it, pour into it. And so it's, it's really an honor um, to be part of that. And it's really a marvel to just watch it happen, like right in front of our faces. It's, it's, I hope it continues. I hope there's, you know, as something we say is more vim, which is like, more, you know, um, encouragement for people to do the same thing and continue to do it because that's the only way we lift Africa up in the way that it should be. It should shine in the, in the light that it has. But um, we're only doing our small parts with our three businesses, but I'm sure that there's like a wave, a wave coming down and I'm really excited to see how it goes. Yeah, I, there's not much. I I mean, I, I agree. I love it. Um, for so long, it's always been like this American dream. Right. And even like growing up, it's like, yeah, we're going to come to America. So, like, you know, where you get everything. And I think now it's the African dream, right, where you can go and like you can be your free, full self. It's more <laughs> relaxing. You don't have that rush um, of, of life. Um, so, yeah, for me, like I love Love it. I think Yvette said it right in terms of like this renaissance um, of what you can do um, in in Africa. And like to me, it's just it's limitless. Yeah, I just I feel like um, there's a saying and I think in America, you you almost live to work where in Africa you work so that you can live. Um, And I think, you know, for us, like starting businesses back home is just 
it's something that I think we've always dreamed of. I, and like Yvette said, it's something that our parents like now don't understand because again, they worked so hard to get us here. But like I said, Africa is just really becoming um, something to behold. And I'm thankful that people are able to see it. I mean, for Ghana, for example, did the year of return and it had an incredible amount of response from, you know, people who are not even um, originally from Africa, you know, just wanting to go and get to know our culture and see what the continent can offer. Um, And it's great that even with our small businesses, we're still offering jobs because I feel like Africa is a place where you go to create jobs when you're trying to go there. I mean, know what the what is missing and try to provide that and try to help um, artisans and, and, and people in their craft. And I think with all our businesses, that's what we're, we're doing, essentially. Your businesses are not only here in you know, our local um, community, but you're, you know, you're also kind of like global enterprises. Um, and it's been a very difficult couple of years. So I'd love to know like how your experience has been as entrepreneurs, what are some of your biggest hurdles, um, some successes, how do you leverage opportunities? Supply chain. (laughs) I was going to say the same thing. It's a nightmare. (laughs) Supply chain, supply chain. Um, Yeah, I mean, for for Yashik and Shoreway, for instance, you know, we sell products. So it's it's crazy. And then you would think that for Decorel, which is a service industry, it wouldn't be too bad. And in some ways it was really good, right? So everyone's home and everyone's looking at the ugly paint on the wall and wow, this fireplace is really old. Like I really want to refresh because I'm spending all this time at home. So we got a boom in terms of the service aspects, like very good home offices. Like it was a thing, but then you got to get furniture for those places. And so then, of course, you know, it's it's almost like Robin Peter to pay Paul. We get a bull of interest and um, people who want their homes to be redone. But then, like, we, we're still waiting. 18 months right. later, we're still waiting. So it's been very difficult in that way. And, of course, as, a, as an entrepreneur, you get all the heat. It doesn't matter that there's there's a supply chain issue right now across the world and across the globe, but um, where's my stuff, essentially, <laughs> right? So managing that has been really, you know, taxing, but you know, I think we're, we're doing a fine job, you know, just sort of keeping in contact with our clients and sending messages out to make sure that, you know, hey, it's not us, like we're not holding up your furniture. Um, you know, there's a news article about it, uh, read it. Um, and then inflation too is not helpful, um, especially for me. Um, with Shoreway, you know, I sell consumer goods, and you know, Kellogg's is like half of my inventory. Kellogg's is, they got strikes going on; they're up, to, you know, increasing pricing, um, and then logistics is also increasing. So because of that, I have to increase pricing. But I'm selling to people who are in the African market, who are not on the dollar scale. So I have to think about that in my pricing scheme and how I break even. So it's been um, a lot, but uh, I think uh, one day at a time is kind of how I, my approach to it is just, mm-hmm. okay, today I'm dealing with inflation. Tomorrow I'm dealing with supply yeah. chain. The next day I'm yes. dealing with, you know, <laughs> the, the fact that there's an economic crisis and the dollar is 
it's what almost eight cities to a dollar now. So the conversion is is really horrible for people in Ghana who are purchasing from me. Um, so just to say, you know, we're still in a pandemic <laughs> and <laughs> the effects are still being felt, but we're we're making it work, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll kind of just, yeah, it's supply chain. Like Yvette said it very, very well. Um, supply chain, you know, shipping costs. I mean, for me, like we are shipping like heavy material, you know, from Ghana to the States and thinking about like shipping times and really just like the the costs. I think overall supply chain has been difficult, but I think, you know, we're a fairly new organization and I know like early on for us, it was really more just like, you know, I think anytime you're starting something new, it's the fear of like, oh my gosh, are they going to like it? Like, are they going to hate it? And it's so, I think big piece of being entrepreneur is being, you know, taking those risks, right. Being okay with uncertainty, being optimistic, um, because there is a lot of uncertainty, yeah, with like gas prices going up, you know, inflation. And so you do kind of worry about, you know, the operations um, of your of your business. But I think like to be successful, it's like maintaining that vision. I feel like I know that like God gives everyone like purpose and a gift and a talent. And so like when he gives you like a vision, he also give you the provision to see it through. And so I think in those challenging times, it's really holding on to like, this is a vision, this is a plan. And so, yeah, you take it one day at a time to achieve that goal. Um, but because those challenges will come and like every day is not the same. Um, and there will be like a new challenge of like, oh, that is the wrong material. And we've made 20 dresses, right? Like, so, <laughs> so like um, little things like, like that can like um. throw, you, throw you off. But um I think like holding on to your to your vision and the greater purpose helps you to be successful. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to say the same thing. I mean, it's honestly like you guys said when when um, uh, COVID started, it was actually almost kind of like a blessing to the industry because the amount of business we got was insane. And people would ask us like, "How is the COVID affecting your business?" We're like, "It's great. Everybody is home. They want to like do their offices." <laughs> They finally want to do their master bedroom. I mean, it was a time that people took on projects, but everybody in the world took on projects. Everybody, everybody became a DIYer. Everybody was knocking down walls. Everybody was purchasing furniture and it didn't catch up to us until a year and a half later. And now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into my new house. I haven't done a single thing in this space except for unpack my things. And none of this is even going to stay anywhere, but I'm even a living example of the struggle that my clients are facing right now. And I use myself as an example because you know even are are trying to launch a furniture line and and thinking about the logistics and like how limited it is for us to even get our own supplies to make this happen um you can order a, a chair something that would normally come in a month or two so we can be wrapped up with the project um it's taken a year to come in and it's just, it's insane. I mean, um, Stephanie, I, don't ho- I hope you don't mind saying this, but when we did Stephanie's home, I mean, we we got it done in like record time. 
six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe like two months in terms of ordering furniture and having it delivered. And that was what, maybe two years just before the pandemic. And now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, if we were to do Stephanie's house now, we would be in the works for two years. We have projects that we're waiting. It's been two years and it's, it's really affecting me as a CEO because you keep having to have these same conversations with your clients and you keep mm-hmm. having to apologize, even though it really has nothing to do with you, you know, and it's everywhere. It's not just from trade. It's, it's retail. You can go on West Elm and order a table and you're still not going to get it till November if you're lucky, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I thought this year would maybe get better. I thought last year would get better, but it's, I think it's going to take them a long time to catch up. And unfortunately for us, everything else has increased, which means pricing has increased because our trades companies are struggling to keep up with demand and all of that stuff. Shipping for items have increased. Our receivers increased their costs um, to receive furniture so we can deliver it to clients. Um, and it affects everything, right? It affects events and I's bottom line. It affects what we can make out of the entire product. Process, but it affects my clients because something, if a room was going to cost 20,000, now I need you to have 25 just in case, because, you know, the increase in furnishing your home has gone up and in over a, a two year period. So it's a really big struggle right now. I don't think, I think most people recognize it, but people in the actual industry, like, you know, uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs who are really going through this every day we know just how bad it is and we just have to pray at this point um and and hope and hope that by the end of this year something starts to happen and you know they kind of catch up with uh supply Mm -hmm. so l i just have to um you know these while temporary these are still challenges these are still major struggles and like you said you all said um it's not unique to any one business or or situation the, you know, the whole world is feeling this, but I just want to, in this moment, commend you all on your commitment to the integrity of your businesses and the quality you provide your clients. Um, I just, as you're speaking about the challenges, I'm just hearing the compassion um, in your, you know, in your voices, in your words about giving your clients the best. And I think that that is something uh, to recognize. And I really, I'm really hoping for you all that this kind of turns <laughs> the corner, you know, we could turn the corner soon um, and, you know, you're able to continue to thrive. But I just kind of recognize that and wanted to um, speak to it. And just with that said, what do your support systems look like and what resources locally, you know, are your go-tos for getting your work done? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for me, I mean, my sister, it's it's great to have a business that I own with her because I can literally call her and vent my whole life out. And I know it's just, it's, she understands, like she understands exactly what is going on. It's different to talk to other friends. I mean, even Stephanie and I will talk about the struggles of uh, being entrepreneurs. And um, I'm fortunate to have people who are doing this with me, people who own businesses, because I think um, entrepreneurship can be very lonely um, at times, you know, when you're dealing with knowing that you're responsible for other people's welfare. And um, it's a lot of pressure. I think that people really don't 
talk about. I mean, I it, it gets to me sometimes. Um, but again, Yvette, Yvette's really good about like, you know, reeling me back in. She'll have like serious pep talks with me. Um, she's one of the strongest people I know. So having her in my corner has always been incredible because it's it's overwhelming and you want to get to another level you want to provide another level of service you know what you're capable of but maybe you're not there yet or these things need to be in place before you can get there and it's sometimes that failure thing kind of pops into my head and I just have to like think past it I have to pray about it and I have to just know that Every year, for every year we've been in business, we've done better. And that is more than most businesses can say. And, you know, we're in our fifth year of business. And I'm just like, it's incredible to me that something that was done out of passion um, and backstory, Yvette registered the company because I just would not believe in myself enough to go for it. I'm like, who's going to pay me to design their homes? Like, who's going to give me this much money to do it? And it was a gift from her. And to see how we've taken it from, you know, let's just see, let's just see how this works to it being a full-time business um, that supports us, that helps me support my family and my dreams and things that I want to accomplish. I mean, it's, it's really a testament to God. And I think I'm just grateful for the people that have been placed in my life. Cause I think we all really have like really great support systems. And I mean, that's really shout out to how African families are, you know, um, <laughs> you know, they will just never let you down. Yeah. I mean, just having these amazing friends and family, they really push you forward and they kind of remind you, Hey, this is where you used to be now. Like you're here, you know, and it's good. It's a good thing to remind yourself, even when, when things seem like they're not going as well as you want it to be, or you want to push further and you see other people doing better um, in your industry, that's like challenging to you. But yeah, I just, I keep, I think I just have a, a dream and I'm just going to push it. I'm going to keep, I, I actually crave for people to tell me I can't do it because it's really what fills me. I should have more haters, you know, it just yeah. <laughs> makes you work harder. <laughs> I, agree. I agree. It's like that. It's the village mentality, right? The communal mentality of like Africans and that like we are all in this together. Um, and for me, it's, yeah, it's the same thing as Elle. It's family, it's friends. Like my mom has has designated herself director of operations. Mind you, she does not get paid. <laughs> My uncle who helps me a lot, he was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be <laughs> director of Ghana. And I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> My nine-year-old niece is like an intern. Like it is a family, you know, both my sisters, my brothers were my first two um, clients. And I mean, they're guys, what are they going to wear? Right. But so it's definitely like a family um family affair. And it's like having that family support and like friends, like, you know, Elle, Yvette, like opening every newsletter, reposting, liking, and reassuring you when you're, when you are unsure, like um, Elle was over here a few days ago and I was like, yeah, I'm not really sure. I, it was great in my head, but now that it's print, I, you know, it's here. I don't know if I like the dress and she's like, oh, I love it. You know, think about doing this, think about doing that. So yeah. it's having that, um, support from family and friends that like believe in you. When I first did the launch, I remember um, Yvette was all like, okay, you need to edit this, you need to edit that. I was like, oh, I didn't even see that. And so it's just like friends even, you know, telling you where, giving you that constructive, you know, feedback where you like messed up. And so not always telling you everything is rainbows and butterflies, but like giving you, you know, that space. Um, And I even think about like, there's so many amazing accelerator, you know, programs. Um, I'm a part of the third, um, which is um, led by Lauren 
Bacon here in Columbia, Maryland, which is a, a organization, a nonprofit organization that supports um, women owned businesses, um, women of color owned businesses in um, Columbia, Maryland. And so having that community of other entrepreneurs to bounce ideas off of and like Al said, it can be lonely and there's a lot of uncertainty. So to have that community um, and the many opportunities that, you know, have come from being a part of the third and being able to be in that, that network is, is, is huge. So definitely family, friends um, and all these amazing um, programs. And to just quickly add on, like um, Stephanie and I actually uh, did a course I just finished and it's as I was been so drained that I didn't think about it. But we took a course with uh, Cornell University. So we're, we're Cornell University graduates. <laughs> uh, but we did a certificate in women entrepreneurship. And while it was happening, I was telling Yvette, I'm like, oh, my God, I just learned this thing. And like I projected how much our business is going to make in the next five years. And like there's these exercises that we were doing and. Um, these things that I've saved and like these workbooks that I've I've completed that really opens my mind up to what we can accomplish. And the course was just for women, no male invited. You're, it's just for women. And it just showed you so many resources, how to get grants, how to carry yourself in the male dominated industry. And um, it was just empowering. So like, yeah, like having those kind of courses to kind of guide you through is also a big help. That's awesome. I, um, I too am really proud of the work that the third is doing in Howard County. And I think it's just genius to have this incubator space for women of color entrepreneurs. So I wanted to go back to Stephanie really quick and ask if you don't mind, could you share an example of how, how being part of the third has opened up opportunities for you locally? You can just give me like one example. I'm sure. Yeah. I think the biggest one was um, our first retail space. And so that partnership came um, from the third, and so Yashik had the opportunity to um, partner with the third with Busboys and Poets where we were able to have, you know, our accessories there. And for us, that was huge. Like when we look at our business plan, like the idea was to be in retail, like maybe like three, you know, three to four years. And for that to happen within the first year was huge. And that um, came from, you know, that relationship with the third. And I think beyond that, you know, the ability to get out in front of people. So being able to participate in pop-ups, we were able to do two pop-ups pop-ups um, through the third, um, different webinars, founding a new accountant um, through the third. Um, but most of all, I think just that network of other women. So every month um, there's a membership um, networking event and just an opportunity to learn what other business owners are doing. It's like, oh, that's a good idea. Like I should try that. Or I'm having trouble with marketing. Like what idea do you have around that? And I think just simple things of like everyone likes and repost and share. So it's just this like, you know, community of business owners who are supporting you and rooting for you um, have been like amazing to be a part of. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Wow. I'm um, definitely motivated hearing your and uh, entrepreneurial spirit and uh, just the joy for your work. Um, and then to kind of touch base on the community support that you guys are saying um, and discussing, we at the library have a variety of resources for businesses. We have large format printers, 3D printers, Glowforge laser engraver, um, a make at the makerspace in Columbia. We have small business resources that you can find on the community education tab of our website. And we have free access to online courses through LinkedIn Learning um, and Gale courses and a monthly business roundtable. 
I did not know that. I will yeah. there for all And I will say, I, I always wanted to like, when I was working on the business plan, like I just needed new scenery. I need to get out of the house and I would go to East Columbia library to nice. work on my, <laughs> work on yeah. my business plan. So. Yeah. Those are little like hidden gems, little secrets that are just amazing. I mean, Addison and I obviously work with the system and there's still times where we are like, you know, delightfully surprised at some of the things that our colleagues are doing and our organization is doing. And I'll touch the um, the large format printer. There's also one at the Glenwood branch and they have a new laser engraver. So if you have to, um, you know, personalize any items, you can go there and, and you know, complete that job. There's even a, um, a station to like turn photos uh, to digital files. So just kind of preserve your memories digitally. Um, some people have a lot of time. You you ladies are not the people who have a lot of time to do that sort of thing, but <laughs> it's good to know that it's there. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that Addison shared that. Yes, there's there are a lot of resources. And Steph, to your point, just having a space to work quietly, um, focus, or even meet. You can reserve meeting rooms at the library and meet with people um, about your business. Awesome. Yeah. And with the supply chain issues, I, I don't know, maybe you could uh, use that makerspace to create uh, something on the 3D printer. Yep. That's, That's so cool. cool. That's yeah. Yeah. Or with the DIY center in, in Elkridge, you know, there's tools. So if you, if you're waiting on a, a certain tool, we might have it at the library. Does it yeah, build furniture, Addison? Does it build furniture? <laughs> it does not build furniture, but it, <laughs> it helps you build furniture. Yeah, it helps you build your furniture. And then even for your um, I don't for your decorating L and Yvette, like if you are staging a place or anything like that, the library loans out. We have an art collection and you can borrow artwork um for your home or business. Um, and, you know, swap that out if you just kind of need a change sometimes. And it's a nice art collection. Uh, it's not like just these, you know, misfit pieces that nobody wants. It's actually nice art. Uh, so that's another thing that I just thought about could be a benefit for your businesses. That's great. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Took some of that. <laughs> Can tell me how, how are you, how are you reaching back to women in your, your birth in home countries um, and even locally, I think you touched on it a little bit, but more specifically, how are you helping the women in Ghana and just abroad um, as well as here in, in Maryland? Yeah, I mean, for us, you know, as a socially conscious brand, like for us, you know, we seek to provide economic opportunities for women um, in West Africa, mainly by employing them as our creative designers and as our primary um, manufacturers. And so for us, like we are committed to, you know, supporting the, you know, the economy within Ghana. And so being that and like even small vendors, so anything from like our bags, um, hope to have a jewelry line soon. Um, and so for us, you know, making sure that our uh, manufacturers are coming from women owned businesses within um within Ghana. Um, and then long-term, like we really want to use like our future profits to support um, individuals who are making local and global um, social impact in education, mentorship, um, and economic opportunities for youth and women. So whether that's youth workforce development or small businesses, um, for us, our goal is really like, how do we make impact um, both in West Africa um, by attracting more women to like quality African merch? merchandise, um, but also then taking those profits um, to make economic um, impact. So supporting nonprofits, both locally here um, in the States and again in um, 
in Ghana. Nice. I mean, I can uh, speak on Shoreway. I mean, Shoreway was sort of born out of the, you know, feeling tired of being the woman to have to go through and shop, you know, go to those different stores and shop and buy all of these items, then figure out how to pack them, then figure out the logistics, then do, you know, I was just watching my mom do it over and over and over. And it's typically the women's job, right? We're the ones who care for people. We're the ones who are thinking about, oh, my, you know, my father needs this, my auntie needs that, you know, there's a toothpaste shortage, like, et cetera. And that, that work that women do in our heads, you know, that, oh, like somebody knowing that toilet paper is almost finished, like that's not work that people outside, you know, mostly women do that. We're thinking about these things in addition to running our business, in addition to childcare and everything. So um, watching my mom go back and forth to Sam's club and, you know, hauling those big boxes and trying to unpack and unload. And it just was, I was like, no, like there's gotta be a better way to, you know, take this burden away. And now she could just sit in front of the computer, click a couple times. And that very same thing that she used to do, now it takes her five minutes and, you know, less time, less gas, less energy. Um, so really, I mean, the, the business is taking one thing off a woman's plate and an African woman's plate. And if I can do that, I know that I can help them because there's a lot on those plates. So that, that was um, sort of what sparked um, Sherway. And I, I can have Elle talk a little bit more about, you know, our plan to launch a Made in Ghana line and great jobs for women. I was going to say what way has done for us, the daughters who have to take the extra suitcase of stuff (laughs) to Ghana and be at the airport and like trying to weigh the suitcase to make sure. Right. That was my question for Yvette is, um, does it, do the items ship directly to Ghana or do they just get sent to you and then you take care of getting it over? Yeah, so it's actually um, a little bit more complex than that. So we have identified the kinds of provisions that people need and usually send, you know. And so what we end up doing is we will take stock of that. We will take a full inventory of that. We will buy those items ahead of time and then put that online for people to buy. And then it's already sort of landed in Ghana by the time they place the order. So then they can just get, you know, the item in three to five days. And so there is no hassle of trying to wait six weeks for a ship to take the container. And then you got to wait a couple more weeks to clear the container. All of that is eliminated with Shoreway. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's really an awesome brand. I mean, I, I used Shoreway. I surprised one of my aunts. Um, she shops a lot. And like, you know, Stephanie says, us daughters are responsible for having a suitcase full of cereals and canned tomatoes and, and, and special olive oils that you can't find and a special toothpaste brush and, you know, the things that we just have to haul to Ghana if we're getting on a flight um, or ship in a barrel. And with delays right now, it takes about two months to get to Ghana. And I just ordered some of her favorite things. Um, she loves, she's like in love with like Hunt's tomatoes, um, the, the cans and the paste and stuff like that. She uses it a lot in the house. And I just, I think I ordered a whole bunch of stuff. And I think the next day, because it was already in Ghana, the next day they had already delivered it and made a really special video. I didn't tell her about it. She just came outside and saw the shoreway team outside with like provisions for her. And she's like, what is happening? You know? Um, so it's really, it's, it's, I mean, they really found a gap that was needed and, and filled it. Um, 
And in terms of um, Decoral, we are obviously, so we're launching our furniture line um, back in back at home. And obviously we'll have manufacturers that we work with here and, and, and products that we're shipping from here to Ghana. But our, one of our biggest main focuses is to have a made in Ghana line um, because I want to design beautiful furniture that's affordable to everybody. You know, there's a range for everybody. And um, that that line is going to be in support of a lot of just African artisans. Um, we have females who are going to be weaving like our kente cloth for our pillow line and all those things. And it just gives me joy that we're going to be able to help out. And even here, you know, looking for uh, vendors uh, that are women owned to work with. I mean, we do our part in really trying to make sure that um, we, we give recognition to uh, those people and like are able to help them. You know, that's, that's the main focus. I think if you're a business owner, it shouldn't be just about you. It kind of defeats the purpose in my opinion. Like you can't just build something for your own sake and to make money and all that. I think you can get lost in that a little bit. Um, that's what Wall Street and all those things are for. I mean, for small businesses, it's really focused about helping something. I think that's what I love so much about this community that we've created. That's incredible. And it sounds like um, technology has certainly made all of that work easier. Um, you being able to create these opportunities and fill these gaps uh, from, again, from here, reaching across to Africa, reaching to Ghana, um, the technology I'm sure has been really helpful in bridging the gap. Shout out to WhatsApp. Oh my God. Shout out to WhatsApp. Savior. Well, I mean, wish I would have ended up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to WhatsApp. WhatsApp has really changed the game. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of Facebook, but WhatsApp, well, I don't think we would be able to run our businesses without it. Um, I was back yeah. to second double down on that. Like WhatsApp, like I can be here and like one of my dressmakers can be in the market and <laughs> showing me yeah. material to just like, all right, let's just get on a call, go over these design. Like it's game changer. Yeah, we can't forget about uh, Sendwave, Yvette. Yeah. We can cut World Remit. Remit. To I was say Remit. Money to somebody. Sendwave is an app that allows you to pay money into directly into a Ghanaian person's mobile money account. I mean, they have it wow. within 30 seconds. They will have the money in their account. And yeah. it is incredible. I mean, we've paid so many people with that. Um, and the same thing with World Remit. World you Remit. can actually... Yeah, just send money anywhere from your phone. I mean, there's what are the days of going to Giant to go use Western Union um, right. <laughs> and having the cash on hand and then having always forgetting that it costs an extra $10 to send the money that you're trying to send. <laughs> It's a, it's a nightmare. And now, you know, you can have it done, especially with the Sunwave. It's incredible that they've linked it to Ghanaian mobile money accounts. And mobile money in Ghana is like a big thing. A lot of people don't really actually carry cash anymore. You just pay with the app. You pay, it's linked to your phone and you're able to just send money to everybody. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. Um, and even when and you're there in Ghana, being able to use World Limit, like it's yeah, it is. I did, so no longer having to do cash, but particularly like WhatsApp is a huge, I mean, gone are the days of calling cards. Thank God. Like oh. I was thinking that. <laughs> I was oh, at my box and I saw one. I was just like, Ooh, I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I even love the fact that they've made you know, business accounts. So now yeah. when you go on WhatsApp and it's someone's business account, there is, 
it's so detailed, you know, like I, we, I had to book a vendor recently and I, I, you know, I, I linked their number and I was like, Oh, it's a business account. So I just go on their profile and it has everything listed out. You can see example of their work. It's just really amazing. Um, and you know, they, they see how people are really using WhatsApp to, to, you know, do business. And it's just all over the world. It's like, everybody knows about WhatsApp. And if you don't, you should know about it. That's, yeah. that's wonderful. While we're doing shout outs, what women have inspired you the most and how do you mommy. <laughs> I will say mommy, my mommy. I know. I think we're all going to be like mom. <laughs> it's my mom for me. I mean, when I think about even like why entrepreneurship was even like important to me, like my mom, you know, was a single mom. She was an entrepreneur. And I remember she would like had a cleaning business. I remember I would always go with her. I don't know why I was chosen, but I was. Um, so I'd always go with her. But I think learning early on um, what entrepreneurship could do in terms of being able to provide for your family and others. And so my mom always made an effort to always hire other um, uh, single, you know, mothers and women. And I think seeing that early on at a young age, I just recognized like the power and entrepreneurship, right. And just the freedom that it provided. But I think beyond that, just learning, um, you know, hard work, right. So learning early on about like pricing, um, cause I'd always be with her on her consultations, learning early, um, about even just taking pride in your work. Right. So even if you are cleaning toilets, you better be the best darn, you know, toilet cleaners, you know, you should see your reflection right in the faucet. If you're going to vacuum, you should see the line. So like just that early on, like learning attention to detail and like just pride in your work, regardless of what you're doing, even if it's a small, you know, task. And so I think, um, yeah, definitely my mom and just like the faith, um, and, I don't know. I think for me, like just the faith, um, the love, the support, um, she's definitely like my you know, hero and like someone that like, I want to make proud, like all of those sacrifices you want to make. Um, yeah. Want to make her proud. Um, so I just want to clarify her mom's a single, was a single mom of five children. Like not just like, not, you know, not saying obviously one child is enough, but like somehow was a single mom of five children and was able to be an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur and raise these beautiful, successful children. I mean, just, I can't, I can say my mom. And I think that really what we're all saying is like, just like African women, like just seeing the strength of like waking up early and mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's just, it's incredible. And every time I go home, I'm like, it's mainly the women that are like working, like they are up, they're doing childcare, they're walking thousands of steps every day and then having to come home and still make it happen. Um, it's really, really incredible just to see. So, you know, personally my mom, but like just women, you know, women who have made it, women who really are balancing doing the damn thing when it comes to like their goals, their own personal goals, as well as, you know, just like, you know, familial goals and Mm -hmm. other things like that. It's really incredible to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would say my mom as well. Like, I think I just, I live to make her proud. You know, we have that African mentality. You must be a doctor. You must be a lawyer and all those things. And initially she was like, well, you're going to be building luxury houses. Like, where does that come from? And I think just seeing 
like me being being able to run my own business and and doing it successfully i think she's just she's so proud like you know i hear her talking to her friends on the phone and and praising it. if you if you've ever heard an african mother like praising their child i mean it's on another level and you feel so inspired <laughs> but um i also have to say my sister because i mean i i talk about it all the time i don't know how yvette does it i i really don't but um, she manages to run two companies because God knows I cannot do this without her, but she's also like, she's also a sister. She's also a friend. She's also, um, a daughter. She's also, you know, she just has all these roles and maintains being one of the youngest professors ever yes. known being voted professor of the year of the university of Maryland law school. I think she's just incredible. And she's awesome. been one of like, yeah, like one of my biggest inspirations. And it's, it's, I just, I'm so proud of the females around me. I mean, I'm just, you know, we, all three of us have like a girl group that we are, we are part of um, myself, Stephanie, Yvette, and two of our other friends. And it's just so empowering, like to have a group that just uplifts each other. I mean, we, it's, I don't know, it just gives me chills to, to be surrounded by such amazing women and to break glass ceilings and to break stereotypes that people may have about us. And I'm like, I don't, I don't see any of that. I don't have friends, but I am all my friends have master's degrees. They're doctors, lawyers, business owners. I mean, scientists, um, you know, own their own companies. And I'm just, that's what I'm surrounded by. That's my vision of what a woman is. And that's what I'm going to pass on to my child and my daughter and my nieces, you know? So yeah, it's incredible. That is beautiful. Can you, to that point, um, tell us what, what's your advice or message to other young women entrepreneurs? And then if another person wants to touch on, what is your biggest hope for women in business and in general? I always say like my advice, um, you are more capable than you think you are. I think a lot of times we put on ourselves like a lot of limiting beliefs, um, about ourselves and what we're capable of because it's natural, right? We haven't done it before, but I'm very, very clear that like once, and I, I said it before, like once God gives you a vision, he'll give you the provision for it. And it's really like holding on to that vision and taking it step by step um, and working towards it. Um, something my mom said, I think every African mother has said is, you know, good, better, best, never let us rest till our good is our better and our better is our best. And for me, it is just that, like always working towards like being your best. And I firmly believe that like, as you seek out God, as you, you know, walk in faith and purpose, um, what you're supposed to do within your business will unfold for you and everything you need, um, to make it successful, um, will be there for you. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think for me, if I just answer this, the second part of the question, I think my biggest hope is that we realize just how bad we are. I mean, I think it's something that we're all, um, coming into fruition about, but I think women are really the backbones of this entire world. Um, and we do so much to empower each other and we do so much to support our significant others. We do so much um, as mothers, sisters, daughters, entrepreneurs, you know, and it's just to continuously remind ourselves that we can 
do it. Like if you believe it, you can do it, you know, and you just have to, and it sounds a little cheesy, but it really is the truth. I mean, when you, when you start a business, you just have to be consistent. You have to fail fast. That's like one of my favorite things is to just fail fast so that you can learn and then keep pushing, but you should never allow yourself to stay down for too long and just know that if you, again, like Stephanie said, if, if God has given you the vision, he truly will provide for you. There's not going to be a place where he lets this thing that he has blessed you with this gift uh, go to waste. And I truly believe that. Yeah. Out with the imposter syndrome and with the faith in what you're doing. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> This thing that he has blessed you with, this gift, I'll go to waste. And I truly believe that. Out with the imposter syndrome and with the faith in what you're doing. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners, Yvette or anyone? Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I mean, I think that Stephanie and Elle really summed it up perfectly um, in terms of answering those last two questions. But um, we really are the masters of our own stories. And that, I mean, that obviously goes for whether you identify as a woman or a man. But I think especially for women, we are raised and socialized in a way where it seems like everything's already set up for us, like step by step by step. But at some point you have to take the wheel um, and you really have to understand that you are the master of your own story. And so however the story ends is totally up to you. And that requires faith. That requires you to believe in yourself. It requires you to sacrifice, um, but really to know and understand that at the end of the day, you'll be left standing. And so you have to be able to take the wheel and, and direct your life in that way. So that's how I live. And that's how, you know, I try to um, empower other people to live. And I hope that anyone who's listening to this will take that and really own it um, and, and understand that they can empower themselves, even if they feel like no one else can. Absolutely. Well, ladies, I just want to thank you so much. Um, I think that each of you are incredibly talented and amazing in your own right. I think everyone should have a friend group and a business support group like yours.